sure in the course of this new decade, we're going to be seeing things we've never seen before. We're going to be hearing things we've never heard before. We're going to be experiencing things we've never experienced before. And so you just want to prepare yourself to access everything that has been prepared for you, to access everything that is possible for you, okay? So you're a visionary, you are powerful beyond measure. There is something um, that is upon you and there is an assignment that has your name on it. And my responsibility and my role for my generation is to be an equipper, to prepare visionaries, to prepare the people who would step on the scene and do epic things, right? And it's all about preparation. The things that can happen when the right knowledge hits your mind in the course of just a month, three months, six months, a year, it's just indescribable. You can't even put a value to it, right? People rise from um, the, the dunghill to the palace in months. And it's just about what's going on in their mind and the kind of preparation they have accessed in your life. So tonight, I want you to recognize that you are in a very significant moment. Um, anything can happen. Breakthrough ideas can enter your mind. Light bulb moments can come to you. Inspiration, counsel, revelation, divine courage can be infused into the reinforcement of your human spirit and you can move from this moment with a clearer understanding of what is required to step into what has been reserved for you and so since we say that this economy and this decade is going to be driven by thought leadership and by knowledge then it means that you want to pay keen attention um, to the type of counsel that is able to change your life the type of counsel that's able to you know, create a literal revolution for you. And that is what um, we really want to get on to tonight. Okay. Um, so yes, we're here for it. Um, I'm going to be sharing my screen with you now as we take a dive into the, um, the work, wisdom and wealth model. Okay. Or webinar. Okay. So I will be sharing my screen and we will take it up from there and see what we can um, explore together tonight. So what I want you to do for me is um, to confirm through your chat that you are actually able to see um, my screen. Just confirm to me through your chat that you are able to see my screen. Let me know if you're able to see my screen um, so that we can continue together tonight. Let me know if you're able to see my screen now uh, because I'm currently on my screen. Let me know if you can see the work, wisdom, and wealth webinar. Yes, Ma, we can. Fantastic. I love the sound of that. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so I'm going to be muting everyone again um, so that we don't get distracted. Okay. Right. Um, so, great. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the feedback. Good. So, um, we already asked the question when we started. I was asking um, if, apologies, I'm trying to, okay, great. So, I already asked you what your biggest takeaways were from the mini course and I love um, some of the brilliant insights that you shared with me. I'm going to be 
Okay, looks like. So can I ask for participants to mute down um, on your side, please? If your sound is up, kindly just mute it so that we're not distracted. Thank you very much. Um, so in the course of tonight, I am going to share with you a bit about myself. I will talk to you about the true meaning of work and how it is your channel of blessing, um, how you can differentiate work from hustle. I'm going to show you the production paradigms of visionary work. Um, we're also going to look at Okay, um, we're back, and I would ask again for everyone to please sound on. Okay, so we're back. Um, really counting on the network. Please do me a chat again if you can hear me now. The network has really been funny. Let's just see how much we can get done tonight. So let me know if my sound is back. Let me know if you can hear me. And if your sound is up, please kindly mute it. We can't hear you. I can't hear you properly. Okay, um, it's obviously the network. We keep, yeah, just pausing and logging me out and in. So give me a chat again if you can. Okay, is the screen back? Yes, that's what I've done. I, I um, put everyone in. Okay, let me know by our chat um, so that I can go on. Can you hear now?
Okay, Bethel is raising her hand. Would that be a signal that you can hear me very clearly and that you can see the screen as well? Let me know. Um, can you hear me and can you see the screen? Let me know if you can hear and if you can see the screen, please. Let's see. Who can hear and see the screen? Okay, looks like we're back in, um, but obviously it's a really, really funny network um, type of night. The connection is extremely unstable. Okay, I hear that the audio is still very unclear. Okay. How's the audio now? Let me know. Um, I don't want to go too far to discover that you couldn't hear me. So please give me the pointers that you can actually hear me. Okay, let us see if this gives us <laughs> the results we're looking for. Um, let me know now if you can hear me and if you can see the screen. Okay, um, let's see if you can turn off your videos like people are recommending. Let's see if you make things better. Confirm to me now, please, if you can hear and if you can hear the uh, he hear me and see the screen. Let us hope that it makes a difference. Um, you know, everyone is putting a demand on the internet at this time, and this is the first time we get a chance to see how prepared we are for the future as far as, as far as telecommunications is concerned. Okay, I have better feedback now. Um, people saying that it's way better now. Okay, e encouraging and exciting. Okay, let's see, let's see. Um, <laughs> so far it's good and sound seems uh, clear too. You can see the screen. Okay, let's trust that this time we are now good to go. Um, and please also work with the feedback that we've received right about um yep about um turning off our videos so we are getting to it now and starting right away um trusting that we're able to roll with it i will share a bit about myself 
And it's because I want to give context to a number of people who are now just meeting me in that sense and may just want to know why they should listen to me and what I might have to offer them. And that's why I'll be doing that. And then I'll get on into the 10 big insights that I want to share with you tonight. Um, and then I will get an opportunity to officially welcome you to my family and see how we can do, you know, epic things together, okay? Um, yeah, so of course, I wanna start with this very profound quote by a certain phenomenal man who has now passed, but lived literally a very, very legendary life. Um, and I believe that, you know, what you're going to learn about this man is definitely going to be super, super breathtaking for you. Um, he is just such a powerful example of how a person should be, right? His name is Buckminster Fuller. Uh, he was a multi-award winning inventor, uh, scientist, you know, and created diverse types of, um, you know, inventions in his time. And yet this is what he said. I am confident that the only thing important about me is that I'm an average healthy human. I am also a living case history of a thoroughly documented half-century search and research project designed to discover what, if anything, an unknown moneyless individual might be able to do effectively on behalf of all humanity that could not be accomplished by great nations, great religions, or private enterprise, no matter how rich or powerfully armed. Now, all of this might sound like a long, big quote to you, but what is at the center of this particular quote right here is the simple statement, I don't know how I got here, but it's good. Um, it's the simple statement that, look, I don't have anything exceptional about me. This guy is an award-winning scientist. He did amazing things, invented amazing creations, and you want to go sort of research about him after this webinar. But here is what he's saying. He says, there's nothing special about me. There's nothing important about me. All I had going for me was that I was an average I'm, a, I'm an average healthy human, right? And he said, my story became like a documented search and research project. And basically what my story will show to you is that an unknown moneyless individual can effectively create on behalf of all humanity things that could not be accomplished by great nations, great religions, or private enterprise, no matter how rich or powerfully armed they were right? And I believe that this is an extremely important concept to note. What Buck Minister Fuller was saying is that those of us who go ahead and create and produce amazing things on the earth are not necessarily the smartest, are not necessarily the wealthiest. We are just people who are hungry to create. We are just people who are passionate right to deliver um and to you know to deliver a solution for our generation we are not necessarily the wealthiest we're not necessarily the smartest we're not necessarily important or outstanding or very wealthy it's none of that it's just that anytime a person uncovers a vision to create a change for the world human potential is unlocked 
every one of us has vast human potential. We have amazing talent, amazing capacities, amazing abilities locked up within us, buried literally within us, right? And Buck Minister is saying here that the moment a person is captured by an enormous vision to solve a problem and to, you know, do something on behalf of humanity that elevates the quality of human life. The moment such a person is captured by that vision, then human potential becomes unlocked, regardless of your background, regardless of the educational qualification. And I feel like this is such a powerful quote that is a big inspiration to anyone who wants to make a difference in this generation. It doesn't matter where you're starting from. If that, that decision to make a difference is compelling enough, is definitely going to create the needed change in the world. And this is how we get an opportunity to be in the front line, to partner with God and to do something, right? Um, yeah, that is important in the world. So that's the quote that I'm opening with, and I hope that it inspires you as much as it inspires me, okay? So here's the question, what is it about me? Why should you listen to me? Um, I'm the founder of Immerse Coaching Company. We've been around since 2015, and so far we've become a 20,000 um, plus community, 20,000 plus you know, strong community, um, mostly of visionary women, and I have created courses and content that has definitely helped so many of them um, on their journey to experiencing the fullness of their vision. Absolutely. So that is the first thing you want to know about me. I'm the executive director of, um, at Ideation Hub Africa, which is a, a social profit accelerator. What we do is to help um, social entrepreneurs and nonprofits, especially in the you know, zero to fifth year of, of their existence to really scale their impact and definitely deliver value for their communities. We host um, Development Dialogue, Women in Development Summit. And if you've ever been a part of any of these um, conferences, you, you definitely know that is, is, is adding a lot of value to how change makers are able to do their work, especially in Nigeria. I'm the president at Deborah Initiative for Women which is um, a kingdom outreach for women seeking to advance God's agenda on the earth. I'm also the lead person at the Firebrand Movement, uh, has a Bible school. We hold Firebrand festivals. There are books that I've been reading um, under the Firebrand series, and I'm an author of 16 books. I have at least um, five coming out this year, and I'm working on them. I'm very excited. I've spoken in three continents since 2010. So in the last one decade, I've been around three continents, teaching, sharing, coaching, and inspiring, particularly um, young adults to the accomplishment of their big vision. Okay. I have worked with the World Bank as a consultant on their gender advocacy, economic empowerment, and education projects. And um, I'm currently a youth representative at the Nigerian Economic Summit Group. I was um, a 2018 Mandela Washington Fellow. And in 2019, I was recognized as one of Nigeria's 100 most influential women. And I share these things with you to sort of give context um, in a little measure to who I am and what my work represents and the different expressions that I carry. I want to talk to you a little bit about the people that I currently coach, right? I coach hundreds 
of men and women on a very personal level currently. And um, I'm just going to share with you, you know, just random selections to show you this vast range of people that I coach directly and help accelerate their results. I have a best-selling author of an inspirational book that has sold several times, sold out several times to more than 10,000 people um, in about 11 countries that I am currently coaching. I have a public office holder in Nigeria. Um, I also currently coach a chief financial officer of a family-owned investment company. I have a stay-at-home mom of two boys. I have a number of stay-at-home moms who are not um, jeopardizing their vision to be with family, and they are also not losing out on their opportunity to make a difference and to grow their vision. I, I, I coach a young man who is a founder of a boys' mentoring nonprofit and who is also an executive assistant to a bank ED. I coach a founder of a UK-based intentional parenting charity. I coach um, the wife of one of Nigeria's top five largest churches. Um, apologies for that. Wife of the pastor, the founder of one of Nigeria's top five largest churches. I coach an internationally awarded global safety ad advocate. I coach uh, a couple running a multi-million dollar microfinance bank. And I also have a fresh law graduate who is interning with a human capital um, company, just showing you, you know, a random selection of the different kinds of people that I am currently coaching and helping to accelerate their growth and their visionary uh, pursuit, right? So this is what I've done actively in the last um, five to seven years. And I do believe in the transformational power of coaching. I believe in the transformational power of sharing the right insights. I have seen how knowledge has shaped and changed my own life and offered me platforms and exposures and literally 100x my income in dollars. Um, and it has afforded me the opportunity to do more for my community and to elevate the quality of life for people. So I'm just saying to you that you're in for a great time. And this is beyond um, just this webinar. It's about all the possibilities that are ahead of you. Joanne, thank you. <laughs> um, all the possibilities that are ahead of you, right? As you start to take in the right knowledge and you work with it. And the reason it's important to share this with you is because Sometimes we get fixated on our challenges, we get fixated on our conditioning, we get stuck in the, in the experiences we've had, and we don't know how to triumph ourselves and move out to new possibilities. Uh, and I just want you to know that interacting with Unbundling 2020 Mini Course as a foundation is a fantastic you know, preparation. It's a fantastic way to launch forward because there's more ahead of you. And if there's nothing else that you take out of this webinar, I don't want you to forget that there is more ahead of you. You can make continual progress. You can move forward. You can advance. Your life can get better. Things can work for you, right? And you are responsible for your own outcome. So I challenge you not to get off this webinar till we're done. Because right in the midst of what we're sharing, your answers are going to be coming to you. And I want you to use the comment section when you get something that is a light bulb moment for you. I want you to put it out. I'm going to be reading and I, I might be taking um, some questions as we go along, right? So let's go on to what we want to look at today. 
um, since you've now decided you still want to hang around with me and you want us to do this together, okay? Um, so let's get on into it. We want to look at work, wisdom, and wealth. And this is a big, big model in the Unbundling 2020 full bootcamp, but I'm just going to be extracting snippets that I believe can be powerful openers for what we want to share today and how it's able to really inspire you to begin to look at work in a new way and to also begin to look at um, uh, wealth in a new way, as well as the wisdom that you require to open up those insights in your life, right? So I'm going to be sharing with you 10 big insights that I just believe will open up your mind to a new way of thinking and set the tone and the pace for the other things that we're going to be doing together in our coaching um, relationship, okay? So my first big insight for you today, and I'm going to be working with the book of Genesis. I'm going to be drawing out some very powerful insights from um, Genesis chapter one on to three. Uh, and I just have those scriptures for you. So you don't have to, uh, you know, scroll through your, the pages of your Bible at this moment. Just stay on the screen with me and let's do this together. Right. So let's start with uh, what you have in that very famous scripture in Genesis 1, 26 to 27. In this very popular scripture that, you know, God was speaking to Trinity saying, let us make man in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over, right? And God created mankind in his own image, right? He created male, female in his image. And the context within Genesis 1 showed us God at his best. God was in the creative zone. He was in the zone of his creative genius. He was in a creative flow in that moment. He was creating things, right? He was in the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. He, he ordered and petitioned all parts of the formations and the elements of the earth, right? And that's what we saw happening in Genesis 1. And it was in that fundamental context that God went ahead to create man after the order and the image of God, right? And this is the first thing that I want to hit you about your identity of everything that you are and everything that you represent and everything that you have on your insight to give to the world, a fundamental context for understanding who you are and your identity is the context of you as a creator. Made in the image of God, God a creator, you a creator. Fashioned in the image of God, after the order of God, God a creator, you a creator. So when God created you, you were set in the context of also carrying an enormous capacity for creation and creativity, which is uh, you know, a, a, a process and an endowment that activates creation has been embedded in your human spirit. Now, I do know that based on the categorization of industries, right, and, um, and, uh, sectors some some sectors are described as the creative sector the creative industry and you sort of look at some people and say they are creatives right uh, but here's the deal every single person is a creative whether you, you whether or not you are in the entertainment industry for example uh, or the fashion industry or you are an artist or not you are a creative 
every single human being. So you, you can't afford to exclude yourself and say, well, I am not so much of a creative. Every single human being is a creative. The degree to which you birth and you release inventions on the earth is absolutely well your responsibility and how much you have allowed yourself to embrace this truth. The moment you embrace this truth is going to shape how far you can go and how quickly you can get there. Now, until you start to see yourself within the creative context, there are a number of things that God wants to birth through you, that God wants to show you and open the lens of your, of your inner eyes to start to see that you are on, you're going to be unable to see because you're going to keep thinking about yourself just like someone who is just a receiver. I just receive created stuff. I receive ideas and I work with it. I'm not the sort of person who births a thing, but that's not true. Every single one of us, every single person listening to me right now, you have an endowment within you, whether it's sharpened or it's underutilized, you have an endowment within you that gives you capacity, right? To form and to birth new and valuable things through the use of imagination and original ideas. There are things that you can create. You are after the order of your father. It's in your nature. It's in it to you. It's in your DNA. It's wired into your formation in the most intrinsic way. You can't divorce yourself from it. It's just like when you've poured Gary inside hot water and it becomes a bar. That's the end, guy. You can't separate it. There is no kind of of, of uh, you know um, distillation or whatever science or whatever technology that can that can dissociate Gary from water right after it has become ever you are inherently it is wired hardwired into your formation you have capacity to create now the honest truth is right now you are actually creating even when you are not paying attention to what you are creating when you're not being deliberate about your creative process right it doesn't mean you are not creating and you just have to look around your life look around your family look around your environment look around you look at, look at your results and you're going to be able to tell what you are creating because we were hardwired to create every person has a creative room and we incubate. You incubate thoughts, you incubate emotions, you incubate words, you incubate ideas. Some people incubate problems, so they keep creating more problems. So, some people incubate solutions and they keep creating more solutions, right? So what you fixate on, what you set your gaze on, what you think about impacts radically on what you are able to create, right? Because um, a key tool of the creative process is actually focus. So um, energy goes where attention goes. So your creative energy is released in the direction of your most uh, predominant focus. So some people focus on how wicked others are. Some people focus on how unkind the world is and they keep experiencing more unkindness because as they fixate on, on, on unkindness, it becomes their vision, right? And what you, what um, in the creative process, you birth your vision. So it is important to really begin to pay attention to where your focus is, to what you're incubating, to what you're thinking about continually, but it is hardwired into your formation for you to create. God set you in the context of creation after the order of your father God. 
And so inventions are, are within your cap capability. And I really want you to let this sink into you. And I am wanting to embrace it, even if you've never been an entrepreneur, for example, or you've never had a lot of opportunities to release an original idea or, or solve a problem, um, you know, um, in your community, on your, on your sector, or in your locality, on your family. Even if you really feel like I haven't produced anything, I've just been a recipient taking in what others are producing, that's, it's got nothing to do with your capacity. You just have not started to leverage this you know, inner strength of creativity that are within you. So I want you to begin to rethink how you've always seen yourself, how you've always understood yourself and grow a new sense of respect for your creative capacity. And as we go along, I'm going to show you a few more things that would really help you unleash that gifting and that strength and that capacity that is on your inside. Okay. So that's the first big insight I wanted to show you. You have a capacity to create. And to create simply means to birth, to release, to form, and to deliver to the environment or to your community or in your own life or to your society or to the world something that is a solution that solves a pressing problem. Now, sometimes the creative process uh, releases brand new, original, never seen, never heard before um, solutions, right? Which is a very powerful first year level of innovation. But don't be deceived. Sometimes innovation is not about producing what has never been produced before. Innovation is about taking what already exists and recreating it to align to a present challenge, a present need. Do you understand? And that is basically what um, Uber did as an example. So Uber took an existing technology of being able to, the existing technology of e-commerce, where you can create an app and be able to request for a product or a service to be delivered to you. And they layer that on a present need of, you know, of the transportation challenge in, in fast cities, right? And so they just married to, so innovation can sometimes be marrying two existing in, um, innovations. Creativity can sometimes be marrying two existing solutions. So they solve a peculiar challenge, right? And you want to begin to have great respect for the capacity that is in it within you to create, okay? I want to share with you a second thing um, that I do believe is going to be such a blessing to your mind. Now, when you look at the, uh, this, this scripture, you know, that says in Genesis 1 verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Now, this was after God uh, created man and God set him in the context of creation. He created him after his own image and after his own likeness. And God was right at this um, beginning of, of the human experience or the human project. He was right at the beginning, creating the heavens and the earth. And he made man in his image so that he also could continue to create that as far as he could see, he, he will continue to create on the earth. And right after that moment, he said to him, go ahead and multiply, uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. And he was speaking about 
about a five pillar mandate of dominion. But here's the deal, before we even look at the five pillars, what he was starting to say to man is, I have created you after my image and after my likeness, I have made you a creator. So from this point and from this context and from this framework of being a creator, go ahead and be fruitful. As you are now a creator, leverage your creative capacity to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it and to have dominion. Can I announce something to you? If all you just want to do is make some money, um, have grow your influence on social media, get married, have kids and live in a gated estate, be able to go for your uh, vacations, you know, twice a year, then you should not be listening to me. I don't have an intention to talk to you. But if your goal is to leave the earth better than you met it, if your goal is to transition from being just a person to becoming an institution, if your goal is to create and birth on the earth visions and expressions that would outlive you, that will make people wake up and say, thank God he came, thank God she came, that will solve the pressing problems that we're having in different sectors, whether it's education or energy or environment or healthcare or gender advocacy or girl-child advancement, whatever it is that is burning in your heart. If you want to step into that space and you want to elevate the destiny, the prophetic destiny of Africa, you don't just want to sit in the corner of nowhere and do small stuff and earn enough for you, your family, and to be able to send some good hundreds of thousands to your parents. If that's not what you want to do, then, well, let's continue this conversation. And if that's not what you want to do, then I have news for you. Except you step into your creative zone. Except you begin to really respond to the creative calling on you. You are never going to be able to be fruitful to multiply. You are never going to be able to do all of those things God has put in your heart. You are never going to be able to obey the command of fruitfulness, of multiplication, of filling the earth, of subduing it, and of dominion, right? So it is creativity in case you think it's just something I can choose to do if I'm interested. It is only in the context of creativity that you can actually step into dominion. And let me tell you what, this is not a suggestion, it's a mandate. After God blessed them, God actually commanded. He said to them, it wasn't a suggestion, it wasn't something you can do if you are interested, if you think it's a nice idea. God said, now I'm blessing you with a creative capacity. I'm blessing you with what, what makes you as God on earth. What makes you replicate my kind of results on earth? I'm blessing you now to be creative. So on the account of that blessing, go ahead and be fruitful. Go ahead and multiply. So you can't ever step into dominion until you step into your creative zone. So from now, you must know that you are going to have to live your life on a daily basis, thinking about what is thinking about what is a solution that can come out of your spirit to solve a problem in the world, right? And the, the mandate of dominion is, is a five-pillar mandate that begins with fruitfulness, and that speaks to productivity, which is where many of us are, and, and we need to grow beyond, right? So fruitfulness speaks to productivity, it speaks to 
whether or not you are even running something that is your own vision or you are interning or serving or partnering with someone else, it's the stage of whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your heart. It's a state of producing results in any arena of work that you have been given. And it is where we all begin. It's the foundation. Until this foundation has been fixed and established, we really cannot move forward. So we all begin with fruitfulness, right? Um, Ololade said the audio is pausing. Can you put up a, a chat? Just let me know if the audio is still clear on your side and if you can see my screen, right? So um, that's fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is where we start. It's where we get productive. An idea drops in your mind, you start to work with it, or you, you run a business, you, you, you put in your effort, you label, you, you, you market the product, you reach out to customers. The audio has paused, okay? Please let me know. Can more people put up their chat? Um, just offer me a guide so I know what's happening with the audio. Okay, we're back now. So obviously that probably was, um, yeah, okay, thank you for the feedback, great. Um, so I was saying that we all start from fruitfulness and some people haven't even started with fruitfulness yet. Some people have not started with fruitfulness. Ololade, you maybe want to log out and log in again. It's, it's possibly uh, your network. If it's not, you just hang in there and you should be able to pick me back. Um, some of our other guests have said they can hear. Okay, so we start at fruitfulness. It's the level of productivity. Let me tell you what, if you still do shoddy work, you are not ready for the global takeover. You are not ready for the opportunities of leadership that is coming to young people this decade. You can't even afford to be shoddy with your work. You can't even afford to be a mediocre. Some of you work with organizations, but you are unable to be excellent. You make commitments to your job, but you back off. You don't deliver value. You are not considered to be an A player and you're still at the level of fruitfulness. From the level of fruitfulness, we move to multiplication. That is where we begin to trade our talents and it begins to multiply. That is where we begin to gain more platforms. That is where we begin to, um, you know, utilize our skills at greater level. That is when we begin to exchange value for value. We, and I shared this in full big details, right? Um, in the, in the full bootcamp, it's like, these are full subtracts that I want to open you up to. And then there's expansion, which is when you begin to, you, to scale in reach and impact. This is where you now begin to go into other states, other communities, other countries, and you begin to expand your impact. If you are reaching um, 500 children with your, with your program, you start to say, how can we reach 5,000? This is the stage of, of cross-sectoral collaboration. This is the stage of partnering with co-visionaries in other parts of the world, okay? This is where you are now um, reaching out to people in India, in, people in Burundi, in people, with people in Rwanda, people in um, Namibia, and you're now saying, how can we work together? I have this safety work that I'm doing and I've created a book for children. How can it be translated to other languages? You are getting into expansion, right? It's from that moment you start to move into, and sometimes each of these stages takes years but you want to be committed to that project and to that vision of creating 
um, you know, solutions on the earth. It's from there you move to comparative conquest. It's where you enter into blue oceans. It's where you literally knock off your competitors and you stand in your own sphere with power and you are known for your own stuff and your own tribe as well as your audience find their way to you. This is the place where you are not even rewarded with transactional value alone. It becomes transformational value. And all these seven degrees of wealth are sitting, you know, cutely waiting for you in the boot camp. And then you go to global dominance. That is when a, a, a vision, an assignment, a mandate, an organization, a product, a business becomes a, an export out of Africa to the world, right? And even if what you've been sent to do is teach and speak, if what you've been sent to do is coach and mentor, you can become, as well as your product, a, an expert, you know, to the global scene. And these are stages of the dominion mandate that God has in his heart for you. But it does not begin until we open ourselves up to creativity. And you must start to think about yourself in a brand new context of someone who is carrying in his or her womb a solution for the continent, a solution for your industry, a solution for your family, a solution for your community. It's time to stop cursing the darkness and to start turning on the light, right? So people who are in hustle mode, and I'm still gonna talk about that a bit, people who are in hustle mode are constantly thinking about what can I get? How can I get what I want? How can I have money? How can I be popular? How can I, how can I prove a point so that people know that it's happening with me too? But visionaries who will not step in into just earthly riches, but will access wealth, visionaries that will access wealth are not just thinking hustle. They're not just thinking, what can I do to make money? They're thinking, what can I do to create meaning? Meaning. How can I make the world a better place through, truly? They're not just hanging their coats and constantly criticizing the government and leadership, but they are starting to ask the right questions. Let me tell you what, the moment you begin to ask the right questions, you're going to get the right answers. Vivian, so Blue Ocean is a whole big strategy, a whole big concept, right? And I shared a bit more about it in the bootcamp, but it's not original to me. It's something that you even want to go and sit with. There's a whole book about it. But the concept is most people are in the red ocean where shark eats shark. It's bloody. Competition is stiff. People are doing copy and paste, right? Everybody's just trying to Google what the next person is saying and they're trying to rephrase it and put it back out there. And just look at social media, right? Look at, for example, maybe the coaching industry. Um, as an example, because it's, it's one of the loudest industries right now, which is not a problem um, because when the knowledge decade, right? So look at that coaching industry, for example, and you see a lot of copy and paste. You see a lot of people sounding like themselves because it's dog eat dog. Everybody's just trying to, yeah, everybody's doing a webinar. Everybody's doing, yeah, you see. But the blue ocean is, happens to the visionaries who have cracked their unique giftings, the visionaries who have cracked their own secret sauce. And that comes from Eden. And I'm going to talk about Eden next, very soon, right? And they begin to play to that strength. They begin to play to that capacity. They begin to play to that unique giftings, right? Now, for the, for, for as, an, as an example for coaching, you are unlikely to hear of a coach who is 
um, confident enough that her own audience and her own tribe will find her if she makes a merge of the prophetic and coaching. You hardly hear that because Christians keep their anointing at home when they want to coach so that, um, you know, it's not uncomfortable. And so everybody's just going to say what, um, you know, a certified coach has taught them, you know, we're all going to be trying to talk uh, neuro-linguistic programming. And this is not to criticize anything. It's just to say to you that you can't enter into a blue ocean except you're, you're drawing from the unique gifting and the specific message that you have been giving to your specific audience, right? And you now labor in the place of receiving your own voice so that you're not sounding like the herd, like everyone just running in the same direction, right? Okay, Anomaly says I'm here because of a prophetic first. I hear you. So without creativity, yeah, yeah. Imagine that someone said to Kanayo, I remember someone saying to me, you sound too churchy. Must you mention God in your post? Right? So it is your choice when you now want to begin to step into comparative conquest, not to be everyone, but to begin to be distinguished by the unique thing that God has put on you because you must link closer to your unique voice, your unique sound, your unique anointing, your unique strength if you are going to be able to create at the highest level, right? Creativity is like giving birth and seeds, the person who wants to give birth, it is their very womb that must be impregnated. So creativity is like birthing and you don't birth something that has not been incubated within your womb. So if you don't even know your womb and you don't understand your seed, you can't birth. So creativity can happen except in this very personal process of being in Eden and, and letting the Holy Spirit rub off enough on you for you to be able to receive what is yours. I promise you 90% today of what we are seeing all around is still control C and control V. And if you are going to have a distinct sound that will be heard in distant lands, you must sit in Eden, you must hear, you must be instructed, right? And you must, be, you must carry enough conviction that what you are receiving is what you need. Um, looks like we're back again, but I want you to please put up a chat for me. Just let me know that we're back. Okay. Let me know if we are back and if you can see the screen as well as hear me. And I hope that someone is going to take this as their sign to actually, um, start off their vision for telecommunications, right? So let me know if you can hear me um, and if you can see me. If you can see the screen and if you can hear me. Okay, fantastic. Excited to know that the, um, the video and, I mean, the screen and the audio are back. So let's run. Um, the third insight that I want to share with you over here is actually the fact that 
you are not the first person who is going to be modeling work. The whole concept of work, because creativity is creative work. Let me tell you what, in case you, you're one of those people that think creativity is just having nice ideas, that's not creativity. Creativity is ownership. Creativity is the diligence of production. Creativity is the willingness to birth, right? And to nurture that which you have birthed until it can stand on its feet. So we've had a lot of, we've just had a lot of unseriousness when it comes to really discerning what, um, what causes us to create change on the earth. If it comes to talking, if it comes to gisting, if it comes to having all the big ideas, oh yes, uh, we young people are there. We have all the answers in terms of how we want to fix our nation. But we've not done a lot of work. We've not collaborated enough. We've not produced enough. We've not been ingenious enough. We've not answered pressing problems enough. We've not stepped into communities and rescued the weak, the needy, the dying, the destitute. We haven't fought for our people. We've not confronted you know, our local governments with blueprints and strategies that create change. We've just been angry. And anger is an energy which you don't want to waste. If you channel it properly, it can deliver value for you. So don't think creativity is just about um, having great ideas and sounding deep. You know, we love to sound deep. People in my generation love to sound deep. But it's not deep sounds that produce results, right? Is, is deep solutions that produce results. So creativity is creative work. It's the diligence of production. And God did not give us any excuse because he modeled it himself. In Genesis 2, 1 to 3, look at that. He says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from the work which he had done. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all his work, which God had created and which he had made. And I'm going to be sharing with you in a subsequent insight, uh, the power of what God created uh, versus what God made. Okay? So God already gave us an example. If we are made in his image, he started it first. He worked. He spent six days of God's time or God's own time, God's own GMT, right? And he created everything that we see today and would ever see and everything that would exist as eternal infrastructures to house God and his saints were created in those six days of divine timing. He worked and he finished it. So he modeled for us that Work is a beautiful thing. Let me tell you this, and I need you to hear me with your inner ears. God is going to be selecting people who are going to be at the forefront of powerful revolutions that will be birthed on the continent of Africa. God is already selecting people who are going to hear, who are going to see, who are going to understand, who are going to dominate, who are going to step into conquest, people who are going to lift a whole generation out of poverty, people who are going to use nanotechnology and biotechnology and artificial intelligence to recreate educational access for children in rural areas where there isn't even light, people who are going to use the power of the solar, people who are going to use the power of coaching, people who are going to use the power of medical practice, people who are going to save Africa from its, its mess and who are going to convert her waste to wealth. 
God is already selecting those people right now. People who are going to reorganize the political structure and the government infrastructures of the continent. God is raising them now. People whose voice will be heard. And you see, with the COVID-19 disruption, what we're starting to see is those who are in the back end will be, you know, move forward. They will come into the forefront because the, the world is on its knees. And wherever answers and solutions come, people are going to receive them. So nations are crying out for young, rich, rich rulers who are going to step on the scene and do mighty things. Young, rich, holy rulers. Young, rich, holy rulers, those who, who will be custodians of wealth, through whom answers will be birthed, areas where they have been death, there will be new life. God is in search of these people. IJ, I can see your um, chat, and I'm going to put up uh, uh, the email address I want you to write to immediately, please, because we are actually closing down, um, you know, admissions or payments. So you want to write to that particular um, email address very quickly so that you can get the help that you need, IJ. Okay. So God is already, already raising these guys, but I want to tell you something. One of the things the Lord said to me very clearly that is disqualifying a lot of people from accessing, you know, disqualifying a lot of people from, from, um, stepping into partnership, visionary partnership with God is because of a, a, a mindset of laziness. I'm sorry about the challenges you faced with accessing firebrand.ng. Um, well, almost 600 people are registered, so I don't know what has cost it, but I really apologize. And I would say write to admin at firebrand.ng. We're going to wow so many people. I've seen the fourth person here, third person. Please write to admin at firebrand.ng. By tomorrow, we will take no more students. So please, yes. And when you send that email, we will provide you a direct bank account. We'll do that for you, please. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, quite a number of people. So write to admin at firebrand.ng or you can also write to info at firebrand.ng. We have been receiving requests and responding to them very swiftly. Thank you, Dr. Chi. I'm excited. Um, that you've been able to pay, right? To admin or firebrand. Anyway, let me tell you what the Lord started to say to me. He said, um, I'm, uh, there are recruitments going on in the spirit and I'm preparing my forerunners. I'm preparing my visionaries. And even though they may be young, they may not even have so much industry experience. I want to use them in a mighty way. But he says to sound the alarm against what is called the redundant thinking and the laziness mentality. The laziness mentality is created from the entitlement mentality. That belief that they must give you something, that they, they owe you something, right? You have to shift very quickly from that thinking and that posture. And you must begin to embrace. You must begin to embrace a new understanding that if you want to partner with God, if you want to be used by God, it's not just a fancy thing when it says his anointing is on you. There's a calling over your life. It's hard work. It's hard work. There's one of my very beloved protégés who is listening to me right now. The first assignment God gave to her, the moment he started to commission her 
to reach out to a new segment in society, said, I want you to tell your story, be vulnerable, and write a book about how I brought you to freedom. That's not funny. That's not easy. The moment you want to partner with God, get ready for work. And until you embrace this work posture, this work-mindedness of, of, of creatively birthing a vision in partnership with God's divine agenda, you are not ready. And that is why it looks like the men, the sons of the world are in this generation wiser than the sons of God, because they are diligent. But we say we rely on God and we, we, we rely in a way that makes us think, well, we just sit on our, on our ass and God gets the job done and we don't do anything. This laziness mentality is crippling my generation. It's work. It's work. And I'm going to show you what work means so that you also have an understanding that is not hustle. But we must begin by understanding that to be a visionary, to partner with God, to step into purpose and to experience the productivity and the prosperity that can come from serving your purpose, you must start to embrace work. Right? The heavens, the earth, and all the host of them are products of the work which God did and he finished. And you have to have a finisher's mentality, a desire to go all the way. How many of us start things and it just fizzles away? You get an idea, it's burning in your heart, you start to run with it, and if it looks like, well, it's not really moving. And I don't know who taught us this thing because our timelines are so different from God's timelines, right? And you just have to be super careful not to give up on something before it has um, concluded its gestation period. But you see people who start off stuff and they just back down so quickly. It's, if you are going to partner with God, you need a new work ethic. You need a sense of diligence. You need fortitude. You need staying power. You need finisher strength, right? You need to stay with it. It's uncomfortable, it's tiring, it's uninteresting, there are no proofs in the environment, you stay with it. So many of us have circumnavigated and shortchanged ourselves out of the purposes of God because of this lazy mentality, this entitlement mentality, this shortcut mentality. God modeled work. He worked and he birthed, he created and he finished it. So some of you have entered into a rest season and it's not your seventh day, right? And rest is not just sleeping. Rest is beginning to reap a harvest. Rest is when you start to reap a harvest of your diligence and your harvest is stronger and bigger than your seed. Your harvest is stronger and mightier and greater than your labor. So you want to enter the season of your life where you're like, what's happening to me? I didn't even do anything and this is coming to me. How are they knowing about me? I've not even invested in advertisements, but everyone is just reaching out. What's, what's carrying my name all about? It's angelic media. And that's what happens when you start to enter into rest in a season of your life. But you want to enter into rest and you've not put in the work, right? God is seeking co-laborers and partners who understand labor. You are a co-laborer because you learn to labor. You put in the hours. You put in the hard work. Let me see what um, 
Nildo Kalezi saying, work and church activities can sometimes interfere. When you feel terrible because you're missing church activities because you want to develop your, you want to develop skills. And let me tell you what, I don't even want to get into that too much, um, but you have to step out of religion into revival. Church is smaller than kingdom. And there are times church can interfere with kingdom. And whenever you are standing at an intersection where church is about to interfere with kingdom, you better go with kingdom. Because I promise you many, many uh, structures, church structures today are just emphasizing helping a man build his earthly tabernacle, build his earthly agenda. Let me tell you what, if any church does not empower and create allowance in your life for you to be prepared to be a burden bearer with the Lord Jesus Christ and to accomplish the vision he puts in your heart to move the agenda of the kingdom forward, then you are failing God and that church is failing God. Let me tell you what, what must begin to happen is actually that some people have to be released on Sunday mornings for them to go into communities, drug large communities where there's substance abuse and go and put the gospel with food and drink to them on Sunday morning. Our bomb has, has warmed the seats of our churches for too long, right? Our churches must increase sending capacity more than seating capacity. There are people who have to actually leave church and will be released not to come to weekly meetings again because they are going on missionary assignments. So you are the one who must grow and you are the one who must know what God has asked you to do. And if your allegiance is stronger to your pastor than to your God, then you have failed him. And it means that you are not part of the people that is preparing for this final hour takeover. Yeah, let me tell you what there have been seasons in my life as a pastor. I pastor a church with my husband where we've had to ask, allow some people to, um, to, to take a back seat and to temporarily remove themselves from being workers because they were overwhelmed with church and they didn't see road to hear God. So we send them, go, go and spend time, have a retreat, hear what God wants you to do with your life. Don't be in the choir for now, right? You are temporarily relieved. Take your time, get counsel, and we surround them with resources. And that's your responsibility. So if church gives you no more room to do kingdom, oh, wow, you, got, you have to fix that. Am I saying that church is standing against kingdom? No. Church is actually meant to be the administrative headquarters that prepares people to be able to step into kingdom. But there are times when Church leaders become overwhelmed with their desire for personal agenda. I'll give you a few signs that a church is pursuing personal agenda. When we have a grace to increase our seating capacity, and week after week, we go ahead giving people targets to go out there on Saturday wearing T-shirts and distributing um, 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 posters, uh, flyers, get to my church, come, people have targets, right? Just know that we're shifting the goalpost. Any church that does not invest in raising a people of prayer, be sure that we are shifting the goalposts because we're not going to be sensitive. We're not going to, to hear any church that consumes your time morning till night, that you don't even know how to be with the Lord himself by yourself. We're shifting the goalpost. So I can't step into this too much because you know where you are 
and you know the decisions. And let me tell you, if you're going to work with God, you are going to enter into a new season of hard decisions. Someone has asked me a powerful question. What is kingdom? Kingdom is what God is doing to establish his agenda, his purpose, his manifesto on the earth in every other arena beyond church. Kingdom is what God is doing to establish his lordship, to fulfill his divine purpose for humanity in other arenas beyond the church. So what God is doing in fashion is kingdom. What God, how God wants to use fashion to preach chastity and purity is kingdom. What God wants to do in music and entertainment is kingdom. How God wants to get children back to school and off the streets is kingdom. How God wants to fix the Lagos state government and heal it of corruption is kingdom. What you are doing with your career, if you've been sent to that sector, whether it's real estate or construction, hospitality, is kingdom. I'm telling you, and we've spent so long in church that we are irrelevant to kingdom. And let me tell you what is happening. What is happening is what happened to King Cyrus. King Cyrus was not a believer in his time. And you have to go find him out and study about him in Isaiah, study about him in Ezra. He wasn't even a Christian, but God invaded him and he said, you are my servant. I will use you. Let me tell you what will happen if believers don't pay attention to God. If believers don't pay attention to God, God is going to begin to put the ideas of transforming Africa for his purpose. He will start to put it in the heart of those who are not even believers. I'm telling you, because we sit here and we say technology is not of God and God is already raising technology giants. If you say technology is not of God, then you don't even understand the, the, the game of kingdom takeover. Kingdom is what God is doing today, right? And you must begin to ask yourself, in the midst of COVID-19, what are the signs? Where is kingdom? Where is kingdom and how can I partner with him, right? Some people don't have food to eat currently. That's kingdom. You better ask yourself, how can I partner? Can you send me the hungry? Can I distribute a few 5Ks and 10Ks and 20Ks? That's definitely kingdom. And let me tell you a fantastic, okay, Neo Doe has given us the expos. She's chosen to give you, go study about King Cyrus in Isaiah 45 and go study about him in Ezra chapter 1 to 3. Now let me tell you why kingdom is bigger than church. We've not been able to organize church the way we've always known it, but kingdom is advancing. COVID is showing us what really matters now, right? And let me tell you a big sign that you have been in religion and not in revival. Now that you have not been able to go to weekly service and Sunday service, if your fire has dropped, church has not been preparing you for kingdom. Church has been preparing you to serve the agenda of itself. Let's build our own facility, building fund, contributions, right? Ezra chapter one, two, three. You want to get into Vibrant Forerunner Bible course, and we're going to break all that down for you. And you should get yourself copies of books in the Firebrand series. You absolutely should. That one, I, I can't even sell it out to you because this book sells out thousands of copies again and again. You should get yourself a copy. It's pure life. Okay? So God himself modeled work to us. 
And if we're going to partner with God, we've got to step into a new culture of diligence. And you need to stop admiring people and coveting their grace when you see them producing and delivering and creating and solving problems on the earth. They are paying the dues and God is looking for more sons and visionary co-laborers who will pay the deal. You want to really, and let me tell you five things you must begin to do to demonstrate your willingness to pay your dues and to partner with God and to model work. And you're going to see some of it showing up um, as we go along. Oh, no, no, let me just let us go along, right? Let me just let us go along, um, you know, and you'll begin to see how you can pay your dues, right? Uh, because I want us to just run through and start to cover this um, in the next about 30 minutes, right? So let's look at number four. Um, work as a channel of blessing. Work as a channel of blessing. Look at Genesis 2, 8 to 9 and 15. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And this is just so powerful. God planted a garden. Look at that. Man didn't plant the garden. God planted the garden and he put man that he formed into the garden, right? And out of the ground, the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and for food. And God put the man in there and, you know, said to him to tend and to keep the guarding. Now, this is so powerful. Many times we think an idea merely enters our heart. Can I tell you for free that you are the one who is set in the midst of an idea. Many times you think that God put an idea in your heart. And that's how it looks when the idea starts coming to you, Right? Many times you think God put the idea in your heart. It is you that God put in the heart of the idea. God put you in the center of a divine idea. God put you in the center of a vision. You think that it's just a small seed that entered your heart, but it's actually a garden that has been set before you were born. Stop taking credit where credit is not due. Any vision, any thought, any solution, any idea that God puts in your heart, is not a product of your independent thinking. It was an invitation for you to experience the flow of the blessing. Now, this is extremely profound. And I'm trusting that light will break out in your heart and you're going to understand it. It's, a vision is not merely a seed that entered your heart. A vision is a guarding that you entered into. A vision is a garden that you entered into. A vision that you get a chance to come and till and to labor in is something that was first in the mind of God. You are not the producer or the creator of an independent thought. Whatever enters your heart entered into God's heart first. It's not just a seed that enters your heart. It's a garden that you actually enter into. And you think it's a seed because you've seen just a portion of all that it could be. But as you till a part, you are exposed to a bigger part. As you till a part, you are exposed to a bigger part. And that's why a vision is, 
is a face-by-face unraveling of the mind of God. There's no telling. When you start in the beginning, you can never tell how far it will take you. You can never tell. Can I just encourage you this moment that as you begin to burn with desire and as you begin to hunger and thirst, and for those of you who have started to see and you know what God wants you to do in this moment, please don't underestimate and don't belittle that vision. Stop looking at it and comparing it with those who have gone ahead of you or those who seem to be doing more and just feel like, is this all God is telling me to do? This thing seems small. Why will I, why will I be told to be mentoring little children between ages two and five? Ah, ah. When my mates are doing big things, my mates are, they are consulting for governments. People are having conversations with Somolu right now. Eh? People are writing books. You've told me to write a cartoon. Is God joking? Don't do that. And the reason we, we do these things is because we are very insecure. And that's one of the things that Eden must cure in you. We are often very insecure because we want to tie our sense of value and our sense of importance to the vision we're working on. And that's not how we work. You must already be established in the understanding of who you are in God, that you carry value innately by being made in the image of God so that when he gives you an assignment right? When he gives you an assignment, you are able to go ahead and set that assignment knowing that you are already of value. Stop trying to use the vision God gives you as your street credibility. Stop trying to use it to gain importance. If your sense of identity is broken, fix it in God or else. And I need you to listen to this very clearly. If you are using the vision and the idea God births in your heart, to fix your identity crisis, carnality and personal agenda will enter. And that's how it will shift from divine work to earthly hustle. It will shift from divine work to human hustle. Wow, do you see this? So whatever you've been given, whatever is coming to your heart right now, whatever burden you are carrying, some of you carry a burden for, an, for, for a sector or an audience that just seems so small, right? Someone says, how do we know the ideas we have in our hearts is from God? I can't even open up to you on that now because it's in the boot camp. There's a whole model called the visionary path. And I break down step by step every single sign that helps you separate an idea that is just a nice idea you are receiving or the one that comes from God, right? But of course, when I get to Eden, I'm going to break something down a bit. And I hope that it gives you some more context, right? As far as that is concerned. So here's the deal. Work is a channel of blessing. And what that means is, as God sets you in the midst of a garden, as it sets you in the midst of a solution, right? Fantastic. Adenike is writing a, a cartoon. So that's your word. Don't ever look at yourself and make a comparison. Don't ever. Mide wants to work with Adenike. I love it. I love what's happening. Collaborations. Please, more. I want more of it. So don't look at what you've been told to do or how far you've seen and don't ever allow yourself to feel small. And this is also a word for anyone who quit a job that could have made you very you know, wealthy or at least paid your bills better and you started out on something God put in your heart and you are now feeling silly because it looks like you're stranded and you don't have your needs. It's a face on the journey and it's a test. Let me tell you, there's a first phase of prosperity on every divine journey. And I break that down also in the visionary path. There's a first phase of, of, of um, prosperity. And then there's a shedding process where it looks like you go to ground zero. 
and nothing is working. God needs that face to calibrate your heart, to trust only in him, so that when proper wealth comes, you know how to behave yourself, because you must eat your manna with manners, right? You must eat your M-A-N-N-A with M-A-N-N-E-R. Okay, nice rhyme, fantastic. So when God sends you into a, 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 a guarding to tend it, just know that everything you are actually going to need has already been provided. And as you step into that guarding, God gets an opportunity for the blessing to begin to flow out of you. And guess what? That blessing that flows out of your divine mandate will bless you first. And then it will begin to bless the nations of the earth. It will begin to bless the world around you. And this is really important. So let me, let me tell you this for free following God, following a divine purpose, choosing to serve, choosing to submit to his plans. Even if you feel like, okay, I'm not super, super clear now what he wants me to do. As you begin to pray, and I will show you a few more things you can start to do. As you go on that path of yielding to his thoughts and his visions, you are going to be blessed. You are absolutely going to be blessed. I, can't, I don't like talking about myself and I don't like talking about, you know, my income or, or, or the wealth God has brought into my life. But the truth is I could never have imagined that I would get to this point this young. I'm telling you, money is definitely not a problem. And three years ago, it was just three, four years ago, it was an issue, but it's not in any way because the vision is a channel of blessing. The creative work God gives to us to do is a channel of blessing. And let me tell you what, um, remember when we were looking at the five pillar mandate, when you are at this phase, the phase of fruitfulness, the phase of productivity, you might have to be serving another person's vision. Even at the phase of multiplication, you might find yourself laboring as a partner for another person's vision. And, and that is a level of being a visionary as well. And we have to teach this. One of the ways God can commission and entrust your own to you is that you learn under others. So there's, there's a principle of apprenticeship on the visionary path, on the journey to owning your own and being trusted with yours. So it's important we embrace this and we also understand it. So for those of you in corporate careers, not giving your best, wow, heaven is watching. And that's why it said, you who are not even able to be trusted with another man's business, who is going to give you your own? So when we talk about vision and we talk about creative work, yes, yes, yes. I'm going to talk to you about how you can get the replay link. Yes. I'm definitely going to share that with you. I see so many people talking about that. So here is the deal. And don't forget this. God is going to even test you with uh, apprenticeship he's going to test you with opportunities for you to submit and to learn on the others so apprenticeship submitting to mentorship volunteering internships serving others those things will be extremely important even as you begin to master how to move ahead some of you god will set you in the context of the work of another as your prototype and your preparation for what he wants you to do so if you do it shabbily and you say, mm, 
the, uh, you know, these are my papa business. You're joking. You're not ready at all. Your work, that creative work that God is giving to you is a channel of blessing. It's a channel of blessing. And let me tell you what, there are degrees of wealth. And I break all this down in the full boot camp. There are degrees of wealth. Cash is a very low level, is the lowest level of wealth. So when I'm talking about the channels of blessing, I'm not just talking about money. Money is great and there's money. But beyond money, there are diverse dimensions of the wealth flow, the channels that begin to come into your life. Actually, they are waiting for you. When you step into work, it's an opportunity for the flow of the blessing to be released because they are actually already waiting there. Guess what? They are not going to come um, because you started. How do I say this? You are not the one who is going to plant the garden and then begin to see blossom. It's already been planted. And as you labor and as you work, you are now going to start to see manifestations. So affluence, um, um, there is, there is, you know, the wealth degree of cash, but there is the wealth degree of affluence and affluence is bigger than cash. Affluence means that cash means I can buy what I have in my bank account. Affluence means I can buy whatever I want from my bank account and many other people's bank accounts. And that one is a whole different degree that I don't even, I, I don't even have time to break down to you tonight. Affluence means I can accomplish whatever vision God puts in my heart, even if I don't have the money in my bank account now. I'm telling you. And there is affluence. There's influence. The ability to be heard. The, the charisma that opens up the world to you. The affinity to be desired. For your voice to be loud. For your intentions to, be, to go viral right for co-laborers to partner with your purpose and for you to be a key instrument for decision making that shapes the destiny of others so there are diverse 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 degrees and god wants to bring it all into your life as you begin to work creatively in the direction of the vision so what is creative work about when we say um apologies when we say Right? Um, when we say, you know, creative work, what do we really mean? We're talking about a partnership between God and man where you take ownership of a divine thought or idea which could come to you in five different ways. So when we talk about creative work, we're not talking about hustle. We're talking about when a divine idea, a thought, enters your heart and I break down the signs for distinguishing between your own thoughts and the thoughts of God right in the, in the models within the full boot camp. It's just powerful stuff. It will heal you. And it would also demystify what you think about spirituality. Okay, so please let me know if you can see me and if you can hear me, please, um, so that I can know that we're back. Just let me know if you can see me, if it's um, clear. 
Okay, Uluwara Mleku is encouraging everyone to please turn off their videos, please, okay? Yeah, you can see the screen, you can hear. Thank you very much. Right, so creative work is a partnership between God and man, right? It's, it's that it begins from the point where you take ownership of a divine thought, where you take ownership of a divine idea. Let me tell you what, that, that step, that phase of taking ownership is really where you begin to walk with God as far as vision is concerned, as far as creating is concerned. And what I mean by this is many times ideas are coming to you, but you're, you're, you're playing with them, right? Ideas enter your mind, but you're playing with them. Give me a moment. I'm trying to um, sort of get back to a certain screen. Okay, I can see it. I wanted to open the chat and be sure. Great. Okay, you can hear me. Good. So the reason taking ownership of a divine thought is the beginning of that creative work process is because ideas enter into the hearts of people, but they can't even really recognize that it's an idea that can change their lives and that can change the world. I want to tell you a few things that you must never joke with again. Don't joke with a burden that you have carried for years. You might think it just comes across to you like something you are complaining about. Someone says, when God gives you an assignment with your name on it and you don't enter early due to laziness, mentality, or the lack of understanding, can God erase your name and give it to another? Absolutely. That's a scary thing, but it's the honest truth, right? It gets to a stage where a person can actually lose their, their, their visionary slot because somebody else gets sent. Don't forget Saul mismanaging a vision and David being chosen. Guys, don't ever forget that uh, David was a second choice. David was not the first person that God reached and God chose. God actually loved and selected Saul as his preference for the kingly uh, job, right? But he mismanaged things so much that God ultimately had to select a different person. So yeah, and you remember what was said um, concerning Judas, that his presbytery, another had to take. But here's where I am. I'm saying that the beginning of entering a creative work partnership with God is actually taking ownership for a divine idea. That is where we begin the journey. And this, it's, it's a cycle that repeats itself because God can commission many assignments to you, many instructions to you. Don't forget your purpose is the overall intent of God for your life. But in different seasons, you might be handed different assignments and how you respond to those visionary assignments impact on how far you and God can go in creating a change in that area. So here's what I'm saying. Many of us have been interacting with divine thoughts and ideas that are capable of changing the world, but we don't even know, right? So we begin with burdens. Burdens are so powerful. I said, I was saying, do not joke with burdens. Don't joke with burdens that have stayed with you or you all of a sudden started to pick. You're just upset about this thing. 
And Amarch has asked, what if we had a birding for a while and it disappeared? Does it mean it's been taken from, from, from us or it wasn't for us in the first place? I'm going to make an attempt um, to you know, answer that, right? So birdings are a first powerful inroad and a first um, sign that God is getting our attention. You, and many times we often think it's just an emotional thing. I just don't like this thing, but it doesn't leave you, right? Birdings are about 80 to 90% of the time. Something you could make a difference in if you allow God to walk through you and to partner with you. So it just gets to you. You are just angry. It drives you to tears. You wonder what you can do. You find yourself talking about it again and again. It's a challenge in society and you just carry that burden. New door is saying, look, I love taking care of street children. I've done this from my childhood. That can be a powerful divine idea. So what you want to start to do when we're done with this webinar is to begin to say, God, what can I do? Stop complaining. Start taking responsibility. That is how ownership begins. So Amarachi said, look, in the beginning, I used to, let's say a person used to feel a burden and then all of a sudden, you're not picking that burden again. There are a number of things that can happen, right? There's something called sufficient persuasion. There's something called emotional evocation onto sufficient persuasion. So on the spectrum of burdens, we start with emotional evocation until we move to um, sufficient persuasion. What that means is at a lower level of picking a burden, you are just, your emotional Okay, I'm trying to share my screen back.